Section nine of Tarzan the Terrible by Edgar Rice Burroughs. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter nine. Blood-stained altars. The entrance through which he caught his first glimpse of the interior was rather beautifully carved in geometric designs and within the walls were similarly treated though as he proceeded from one apartment to another he found also the figures of animals birds and men taking their places among the more formal figures of the mural decorator's art stone vessels were much in evidence as well as ornaments of gold and the skins of many animals but nowhere did he see an indication of any woven fabric indicating that in that respect at least the hodon were still low in the scale of evolution and yet the proportions and symmetry of the corridors and apartments bespoke a degree of civilization the way led through several apartments and long corridors up at least three flights of stone stairs and finally out upon a ledge upon the western side of the building overlooking the blue lake along this ledge or arcade his guide led him for a hundred yards to stop at last before a wide entranceway leading into another apartment of the palace here tarzan beheld a considerable concourse of warriors in an enormous apartment the domed ceiling of which was fully fifty feet above the floor almost filling the chamber was a great pyramid ascending in broad steps well up under the dome in which were a number of round apertures which let in the light the steps of the pyramid were occupied by warriors to the very pinnacle upon which sat a large imposing figure of a man whose golden trappings shone brightly in the light of the afternoon sun a shaft of which poured through one of the tiny apertures of the dome Gautan, cried daklot addressing the resplendent figure at the pinnacle of the pyramid Gautan and warriors of Paluldan, behold the honour that jad ben otho has done you in sending as his messenger his own son and daklot stepping aside indicated tarzan with a dramatic sweep of his hand kotan rose to his feet and every warrior within sight craned his neck to have a better view of the newcomer those upon the opposite side of the pyramid crowded to the front as the words of the old warrior reached them sceptical were the expressions on most of the faces but theirs was a scepticism marked with caution no matter which way fortune jumped they wished to be upon the right side of the fence for a moment all eyes were centred upon tarzan and then gradually they drifted to kotan for from his attitude would they receive the cue that would determine theirs but kotan was evidently in the same quandary as they the very attitude of his body indicated it it was one of indecision and of doubt the ape-man stood erect his arms folded upon his broad chest an expression of haughty disdain upon his handsome face but to daklot there seemed to be indications also of growing anger the situation was becoming strained daklot fidgeted casting apprehensive glances at tarzan and appealing ones at kotan the silence of the tomb wrapped the great chamber of the throne-room of Paluldan. At last Kotan spoke. "'Who says that he is Dor-Yolotho? he asked, casting a terrible look at Daklot. "'He does,' almost shouted the terrified noble. "'And so it must be true?' queried Kotan. Could it be that there was a trace of irony in the chief's tone? "'Otho forbid!' 
Daklot cast a side glance at Tarzan, a glance that he intended should carry the assurance of his own faith, but that succeeded only in impressing the ape-man with the other's pitiable terror. O Kotan, pleaded Daklot, your own eyes must convince you that indeed he is the son of Otho. Behold, his godlike figure, his hands, and his feet that are not as ours, and that he is entirely tailless, as is his mighty father. Kotan appeared to be perceiving these facts for the first time, and there was an indication that his skepticism was faltering. At that moment a young warrior, who had pushed his way forward from the opposite side of the pyramid to where he could obtain a good look at Tarzan, raised his voice. Kotan, he cried, it must be even as Daklot says, for I am sure now that I have seen Doryulotho before. Yesterday, as we were returning with the Koryulol prisoners, we beheld him seated upon the back of a great griff. We hid in the woods before he came too near, but I saw enough to make sure that he who rode upon the great beast was none other than the messenger who stands here now. This evidence seemed to be quite enough to convince the majority of the warriors that they indeed stood in the presence of deity. Their faces showed it only too plainly and a sudden modesty that caused them to shrink behind their neighbors. As their neighbors were attempting to do the same thing, the result was a sudden melting away of those who stood nearest the ape-man, until the steps of the pyramid directly before him lay vacant to the very apex and to Kotan. The latter, possibly influenced as much by the fearful attitude of his followers as by the evidence adduced, now altered his tone and his manner in such a degree as might comport with the requirements if the stranger was indeed the Doryulotho, while leaving his dignity a loophole of escape should it appear that he had entertained an impostor. "'If indeed you are the Doryulotho,' he said, addressing Tarzan, "'you will know that our doubts were but natural since we have received no sign from Jadbanotho that he intended honouring us so greatly.' nor how could we know even that the great god had a son if you are he all paluldan rejoices to honour you if you are not he swift and terrible shall be the punishment of your temerity i kotan king of paluldan have spoken and spoken well as a king should speak said tarzan breaking his long silence who fears and honours the god of his people it is well that you insist that i indeed be the doryulotho before you accord me the homage that is my due jad ben otho charged me specially to ascertain if you were fit to rule his people my first experience of you indicates that jad ben otho chose well when he breathed the spirit of a king into the babe at your mother's breast the effect of this statement made so casually was marked in the expressions and excited whispers of the now awestruck assemblage at last they knew how kings were made it was decided by jad ben otho while the candidate was still a suckling babe wonderful a miracle and this divine creature in whose presence they stood knew all about it doubtless he even discussed such matters with their god daily if there had been an atheist among them before or an agnostic there was none now or had they not looked with their own eyes upon the son of god it is well then continued the ape-man that you should assure yourself that i am no impostor come closer that you may see that i am not as are men furthermore it is not meet that you stand upon a higher level than the son of your god there was a sudden scramble to reach the floor of the throne-room 
nor was Kotan far behind his warriors, though he managed to maintain a certain majestic dignity, as he descended the broad stairs that countless naked feet had polished to a gleaming smoothness through the ages. "'And now,' said Tarzan, as the king stood before him, "'you can have no doubt that I am not of the same race as you. Your priests have told you that Jad ben Otho is tailless. Tailless, therefore, must be the race of gods that spring from his loins. But enough of such proofs as these.' you know the power of jad ben otho how his lightnings gleaming out of the sky carry death as he wills it how the rains come at his bidding and the fruits and the berries and the grains the grasses the trees and the flowers spring to life at his divine direction you have witnessed birth and death and those who honour their god honour him because he controls these things how would it fare then with an impostor who claimed to be the son of this all-powerful god this then is all the proof that you require for as he would strike you down should you deny me so would he strike down one who wrongfully claimed kinship with him this line of argument being unanswerable must needs be convincing there could be no questioning of this creature's statements without the tacit admission of lack of faith in the omnipotence of jad ben otho kotan was satisfied that he was entertaining deity but as to just what form his entertainment should take he was rather at a loss to know his conception of god had been rather a vague and hazy affair though in common with all primitive people his god was a personal one as were his devils and demons the pleasures of jad ben otho he had assumed to be the excesses which he himself enjoyed but devoid of any unpleasant reaction it therefore occurred to him that the Doryul Otho would be greatly entertained by eating, eating large quantities of everything that Kotan liked best, and that he had found most injurious. And there was also a drink that the women of the Hodan made by allowing corn to soak in the juices of succulent fruits, to which they had added certain other ingredients best known to themselves. Kotan knew by experience that a single draught of this potent liquor would bring happiness and surcease from worry while several would cause even a king to do things and enjoy things that he would never even think of doing or enjoying while not under the magical influence of the potion but unfortunately the next morning brought suffering in direct ratio to the joy of the preceding day a god kotan reasoned could experience all the pleasure without the headache but for the immediate present he must think of the necessary dignities and honours to be accorded to his immortal guest no foot other than a king's had touched the surface of the apex of the pyramid in the throne-room at alur during all the forgotten ages through which the kings of Dan had ruled from its high eminence so what higher honour could kotan offer than to give place beside him to the Doryulotho? and so he invited tarzan to ascend the pyramid and take his place upon the stone bench that topped it as they reached the step below the sacred pinnacle kotan continued as though to mount to his throne but tarzan laid a detaining hand upon his arm none may sit upon a level with the gods he admonished stepping confidently up and seating himself upon the throne the abashed kotan showed his embarrassment an embarrassment he feared to voice lest he incur the wrath of the king of kings but added tarzan a god may honour his faithful servant by inviting him to a place at his side come kotan thus would i honour you in the name of jad ben otho the ape-man's policy had for its basis an attempt not only to arouse the fearful respect of kotan 
but to do it without making of him an enemy at heart for he did not know how strong a hold the religion of the hodon had upon them for since the time that he had prevented ta den and omat from quarrelling over a religious difference the subject had been utterly taboo among them he was therefore quick to note the evident though wordless resentment of Kotan at the suggestion that he entirely relinquish his throne to his guest on the whole however the effect had been satisfactory as he could see from the renewed evidence of awe upon the faces of the soldiers at tarzan's direction the business of the court continued where it had been interrupted by his advent it consisted principally in the settling of disputes between warriors there was present one who stood upon the step just below the throne and which tarzan was to learn was the place reserved for the higher chiefs of the allied tribes which made up kotan's kingdom the one who attracted tarzan's attention was a stalwart warrior of powerful physique and massive lion-like features he was addressing Kotan on a question that is as old as government, and that will continue in unabated importance until man ceases to exist. It had to do with a boundary dispute with one of his neighbors. The matter itself held little or no interest for Tarzan, but he was impressed by the appearance of the speaker, and when Kotan addressed him as Jadon, the ape-man's interest was permanently crystallized, for Jadon was the father of Tadan that the knowledge could benefit him in any way seemed rather a remote possibility since he could not reveal to jadon his friendly relations with his son without admitting the falsity of his claims to godship when the affairs of the audience were concluded kotan suggested that the son of jad ben otho might wish to visit the temple in which were performed the religious rites coincident to the worship of the great god and so the ape-man was conducted by the king himself followed by the warriors of his court through the corridors of the palace toward the northern end of the group of buildings within the royal enclosure the temple itself was really a part of the palace and similar in architecture there were several ceremonial places of varying sizes the purposes of which tarzan could only conjecture each had an altar in the west end and another in the east and were oval in shape their longest diameter lying due east and west each was excavated from the summit of a small hillock and all were without roofs the western altars invariably were a single block of stone the top of which was hollowed into an oblong basin those at the eastern ends were similar blocks of stone with flat tops and these latter unlike those at the opposite ends of the ovals were invariably stained or painted a reddish brown nor did tarzan need to examine them closely to be assured of what his keen nostrils already had told him that the brown stains were dried and drying human blood below these temple courts were corridors and apartments reaching far into the bowels of the hills dim gloomy passages that tarzan glimpsed as he was led from place to place on his tour of inspection of the temple a messenger had been dispatched by kotan to announce the coming visit of the son of jad ben otho with the result that they were accompanied through the temple by a considerable procession of priests whose distinguishing mark of profession seemed to consist in grotesque headdresses sometimes hideous faces carved from wood and entirely concealing the countenances of their wearers or again the head of a wild beast cunningly fitted over the head of a man the high priest alone wore no such headdress he was an old man with close-set cunning eyes and a cruel thin-lipped mouth at the first sight of him tarzan realized that here lay the greatest danger to his ruse 
for he saw at a glance that the man was antagonistic toward him and his pretensions and he knew too that doubtless of all the people of pal-ul-don the high priest was most likely to harbor the truest estimate of jad ben otho and therefore would look with suspicion on one who claimed to be the son of a fabulous god no matter what suspicion lurked within his crafty mind lu don the high priest of allur did not openly question tarzan's right to the title of doryal otho and it may be that he was restrained by the same doubts which had originally restrained Kotan and his warriors the doubt that is at the bottom of the minds of all blasphemers even and which is based upon the fear that after all there may be a god so for the time being at least ludon played safe yet tarzan knew as well as though the man had spoken aloud his inmost thoughts that it was in the heart of the high priest to tear the veil from his imposture at the entrance to the temple Kotan had relinquished the guidance of the guest to ludon and now the latter led tarzan through those portions of the temple that he wished him to see he showed him the great room where the votive offerings were kept gifts from the barbaric chiefs of pal-ul-don and from their followers these things ranged in value from presents of dried fruits to massive vessels of beaten gold so that in the great main storeroom and its connecting chambers and corridors was an accumulation of wealth that amazed even the eyes of the owner of the secret of the treasure vaults of opar moving to and fro throughout the temple were sleek black wazdan slaves fruits of the hodan raids upon the villages of their less civilized neighbors as they passed the barred entrance to a dim corridor tarzan saw within a great company of pithecanthropi of all ages and of both sexes hodan as well as wazdan the majority of them squatted upon the stone floor in attitudes of utter dejection while some paced back and forth their features stamped with the despair of utter hopelessness and who are these who lie here thus unhappily he asked of ludon it was the first question that he had put to the high priest since entering the temple and instantly he regretted that he had asked it for ludon turned upon him a face upon which the expression of suspicion was but thinly veiled who would know better than the son of jad ben otho he retorted the questions of doryul otho are not with impunity answered with other questions said the ape-man quietly and it may interest ludon the high priest to know that the blood of a false priest upon the altar of his temple is not displeasing in the eyes of jad ben otho ludon paled as he answered tarzan's question they are the offerings whose blood must refresh the eastern altars as the sun returns to your father at the day's end and who told you asked tarzan that jad ben otho was pleased that his people were slain upon his altars what if you were mistaken then countless thousands have died in vain replied ludon Kotan and the surrounding warriors and priests were listening attentively to the dialogue some of the poor victims behind the barred gateway had heard and rising pressed close to the barrier through which one was conducted just before sunset each day never to return liberate them cried tarzan with a wave of his hand toward the imprisoned victims of a cruel superstition for i can tell you in the name of jad ben otho that you are mistaken end of chapter nine read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com